0: Zane back in a in a few weeks.
1: And well, well, what are you talking about? You're talking to yourself. Here we are starting the Statues and Stories show with um, Adam Levinson on WSQF Blinker Radio. And Adam today is going to give us a tour of his website. So open up your website, Statues Adam. How are and you?
0: stories.com right? Good evening,
2: everybody. And That was quite a two-hour set of interviews that you just did. So I don't know that I'll be able to. Uh, to give that kind of history from first-hand knowledge, but instead what we're gonna do tonight, and let me start before we go into the website, but that's the goal for everybody to sit in front of a computer if you have access to the internet, or pull it up on your phone, and we're going to give a guided tour, and I'm harkening back to probably three, four months ago, we did a, a radio tour of a museum exhibit that we put together, the Statutes and Stories, Nova University, Alexander Hamilton exhibit, so tonight we're going to do some more experimental radio, and we're going to do a tour of a website where all the history we talk about over the last couple months, you can read the history, and you can get your fingers wet in these primary sources, and these books, and these letters, etc., etc., cetera, et cetera. so we're going to go through that today, but before we do, I want to Pick up with where we would have left off last week, because last week it would have been Labor Day, and we didn't have our Labor Day show because of uh, a certain weather event.
0: So uh, yeah, we were blown away. Uh, so it sure didn't turn day, out to be as bad as advertised. To the folks in the Bahamas, that uh, we were very fortunate.
2: Uh, although for the folks in the Bahamas, they, they got the brunt of it. Uh, so um, well, what's the point? And then I would point out that if Alexander Hamilton were around today, he'd probably be donating money to the Bahamas to help out because he's that kind of a guy. Uh, with, with that said, so uh, last week would have been Labor Day, so I wanted to, to speak real quickly about Labor Day because we had some materials prepared for Labor Day. Uh, but uh, as folks may remember, the holiday of Labor Day, and let me throw this out to you, when was the holiday of Labor Day created? So is it... 1850, 1890, or was it the 1920? Which of those three dates, if you had to speculate, uh, when Labor Day was officially recognized as a federal holiday in the 1850s and the 1890s or in the 1920s?
0: 1890, and if you look at the rest of the world, they celebrated on May 1st, especially Europe, and not in America.
3: So I'm agreeing with you, Labor Day is 1894, exactly right. So statutes and stores usually does revolutionary period in the early 1800s, so I'm not going to talk about the creation of Labor Day, maybe some other night we'll do that, okay. but I'm going to talk today a little
2: bit about the, um, you know, in that time frame when we first created the, the federal government under Washington and Hamilton and Jefferson, what it looked like from the standpoint of the, the first... Labor Acts and the first labor law that was created by the federal government and how, how the federal government was set up. So that we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But I, I want to start with uh, another important event this week. So we had the, the horrible hurricane, which was uh, a week ago. Uh, labor Day was also last week. And uh, there's an event which or a day, which is commemorated, in just a couple days from now. So of course, once in a couple days, we're in the week of uh, the second week of September. What, what's coming around the corner?
0: Ed, Columbus Day.
2: Okay, Columbus Day. I'm, I'm thinking, though,
0: that uh, there's a—well, a, I don't even want to call it a holiday. Oh, no, no, Constitution Day. Okay, that's right. So 17th. important because of the Constitution September 18th. September. And you're, you're
1: getting soft, man. You left for summer, and look, you're slow.
0: Constitu- well, no, uh, by the way, next Monday we're going to have a special Constitution Day on Concrete Conservatives.
2: So September is a busy month. So what I'm looking for, though, this week in just a couple days is a day that will live in infamy. Oh, 9-11. What day am I thinking?
0: 9-11
2: 9-11 so i also want to just mention quickly about 9-11 that the uh, september 11th of, of course will always be remembered for the for the attack on the, the twin towers but september 11th if you're
1: a hamilton fan is also an important date it's his birthday let me, yeah let me explain to you why september
2: 11th is an important date in hamilton history and listeners who are regular listeners know that i'm a member of the aha society which is the alexander hamilton uh, awareness Society. So uh, the Hamiltonians out there know September 11th, and this is what happened on September 11th of
0: 1789. So let me throw that out to you as a question. Uh, and I'll give a couple
1: questions. Later. No, no, don't give me any questions because, th- you know. You know Ed-
0: 1789, September 11th? so there were, what were the first three cabinet departments. So the- oh, he was appointed to
1: Secretary of the Treasury. Treasury, <laughs> war,
0: and what else? You gave state, me the-
1: state. He- state, but he was, uh, John Jay yeah. was state.
0: No, no. Thomas Jefferson was
1: Secretary of State. Oh, that's right. Secretary of State. Jay was later. Okay, go ahead.
2: You guys got it. So here's the point. There were just three cabinet-level departments that were created in the 1780s and the late 1780s when we had the new federal government. The, the first three cabinet agencies in this order were State, War, and then Treasury. Uh, So first they created Secretary of State, then Secretary of War, then Secretary of uh, Treasury. Hamilton, of those three agencies, he was the first to be appointed, and uh, Washington – through the name gave the name over to the senate on september 11th the senate unanimously quickly approved hamilton and then it became effective and hamilton was sworn in that same day imagine having someone get appointed on the same day and confirmed the same day that the, the president uh, sends uh, the message to the senate so september 11 1789 is when hamilton became secretary of state to you a little bit more detail about that date and about hamilton so as you may remember from prior nights that uh, Hamilton was not the first choice for Secretary of State. Washington first went to Morris, and Morris was the prior Secretary of State, if you will. I say, you know, keep saying State, Treasury. So uh, so Morris was the first Secretary of Treasury under the Articles and
3: under the, the prior system, and Washington asked Morris who he should appoint if Morris didn't
2: want to. Oh, this to is, this
1: is uh, oh, so the audience knows, this is Robert Morris, who was president of the Bank of Philadelphia, who became the first Secretary of State under the Articles of Secretary the Confederate... Treasury of I mean, of sorry. Articles. <sighs> Secretary of Treasury under the Articles of Confederation, correct? Exactly right. Okay.
2: So here, and Morris is one of the wealthiest men in the country, probably one of the wealthiest men in all of the Western Hemisphere. So he was in this capacity under Washington. So Washington naturally reaches out to him. Do you want to be the Secretary of Treasury? And I'm going to read to you what... Morris describes to Washington. So this is all a quote, and this is leading up to the kind of materials that you can be able to look at at Statutes and Stories, the website. So this is what Morris says to, to Washington. He says, My dear General, you will be no loser by my declining the secretaryship of the Treasury, for I can recommend to you a far cleverer fellow, cleverer, cleverer fellow than I am for your minister of finance in the person of your former aide-de-camp, Colonel Hamilton. And this is now, as I described, the president was amazed and continued, I always knew Colonel Hamilton to be a man of superior talents, but never supposed that he had any knowledge of finance. To which Morris replied, he knows everything, sir, to a mind like his, nothing comes amiss. I'll also point out to you that Madison, because Washington would consult with Madison at this time period, Madison's going to be the leader in the House of Representatives who worked very closely with Hamilton creating the Constitution. So Madison also was aware that Hamilton was going to be appointed, and according to Madison, Hamilton was, quote, the best qualified for that species of business, meaning getting the financial and the, the, the books and records and the taxes, because remember, as the Secretary of Treasury, one of your first jobs is raising money as a tax collector and getting a feel for how the finances should work, what we needed to do to get our financial house in order. So Madison was on the same page, and that was Robert Morris who gave the recommendation and then just making sure that we have all our information straight. So who was the first Secretary of Treasury in this first administration? Hamilton. Who was the first Secretary of State? And State was dealing with other countries, but it also had some responsibilities for – uh Eventually, it's going to be the, the patent office, and trademarks, and there are other things that fell under state. So who was the first, and one of you already mentioned it, who was the first Secretary of State?
1: Uh, 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 Eddie Vidal? No, I mean, Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson, and then just to
2: round up the list, who was the first Secretary of War?
0: That was Jay. No, Henry Knox?
2: Henry Knox. Henry Knox, and then Jay
0: was the Chief Justice, so you have that part right. He was the Fort first Knox. Candidate first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court.
1: Okay. You're right, uh, I think I oh, heard, last time I, I heard this name Knox, I wondered if he was relative of Philander Knox who ran aground and ran out some muck with the income tax. That was many years be, later. Could be. I wonder if they were family. It
2: could be. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. So, so that that's your original cabinet. So we'll come back to the cabinet. We'll, we'll talk more about the early federal government in that period, the 17th. Eighty-nine, seventeen, ninety. We'll talk about that uh, towards the end of the hour. But I want to start tonight with what we promised, which is a audio tour of a website. And this is the website where people can follow up on all the topics we talk about. And I'm going to ask everybody who's listening to type in the name of the website, which is all one word. There are no spaces. So, how do you spell statutes? And the answer is there are three T's in statutes. So it's
3: S-T-A-T-U-T-E-S. It's plural, statutes, all one word, and spelled out, statutes and
2: stories. So that's plural, stories, I-E-S, statutesandstories.com is the website. You know, when you click on that website, which is totally free for the listeners, it does not cost you a penny to go here. It does not track your information. It does not track your your block browser history or anything else. So if you go to the website, the first thing you see, and it fluctuates between different images of the founding fathers and mothers, so the Declaration of Independence and the signing of the Constitution. But on the upper left hand side, if either of you are in front of a computer, what do you see on the top left?
1: I see the menu button.
2: Menu button. All right, so click on the menu button. And we're going to start now by going to the about, and this will take us all of a minute. So what is the about? For anyone who wants to see my picture, you can see me on the WSQF website. There's a picture. There's also a picture of me on such stories, not that you care what I look like. But here I try to give it sort of a...
1: Well, a you're better looking than Ed Vidal.
2: Right, and that picture was a couple of years ago, and I put on some weight since then. But the long story short, sure, when you go to the about, it gives the story of why well, we came up with the website, what we're trying to accomplish. And the reason I refer people to the About section is that one of my favorite books, which is quite historic, and this is for people who want to get into the weeds and want to really understand the, the history, not just how it's interpreted by historians, which is great, but to actually read the primary sources. So at the very bottom of the About section where we talk about some of the things we're trying to accomplish with the website, there's a link. Do you see that link? It says LOC, which is Library of Congress. Yes, I do. Okay, so click on that link, and this is probably
3: one of the most valuable books. Apart from religious books, this is one of the most valuable books from the
2: standpoint of how American government and how world government understands.
1: So the whole, the Federalist collection?
2: So what you have here is Jefferson's, Thomas Jefferson's copy of the
1: Federalist Papers. All of them.
2: So this was written by Hamilton, by, we talked about Jay, by Madison. Hamilton and Jay wrote the Federalist Papers. Uh, This is Jefferson's copy, and I want you to read what it says at the top of that page. And you have to really zoom in on it. But it's an, it's an engraving, and when you're looking at these old books and inscriptions, sorry, not an engraving, an inscription. When you look at these old books,
1: it's very curious. It says Elizabeth Hamilton. Right. So this, I'll read to you what it says at the top of the page. It
2: says, For Mrs. Church, from her sister Elizabeth Hamilton. So. For Mrs. Church, and, and I won't ask you who Mrs. Church was, but the Hamilton's wife, which is Elizabeth Hamilton. And for those who saw the musical, uh, there were several sisters, the Schuyler sisters. So Hamilton marries Elizabeth Schuyler, and she becomes Elizabeth Hamilton. Hamilton
3: uh, well, Cheats on he, her. I'm sorry.
1: Hamilton cheats on her.
3: Uh, that's true. He <laughs> told him,
1: um, well, hey, I, I went to the musical. What can I tell you? It is
2: in the musical. Uh, but, but Hamilton also had a good relationship with his sister-in-law his sister-in-law was, um, so Eliza is his wife, and Angelica is the older sister. And Angelica marries a wealthy businessman, Mr. Church, and she moves away on business with her husband to Paris. And who is in Paris uh, after he serves as, I'm sorry, this is before Jefferson becomes the Secretary of State, Jefferson was the ambassador to France. From 1785 until 1789,
0: 1790. Right, during the Articles period. That's why he missed the Constitutional Convention. Constitution. Yeah. So Jefferson is in France at the time of the Constitutional Convention. That's why he wasn't there.
2: He was in America for the Declaration of Independence. I'm sorry, he was in America for the Declaration of Independence, but he was not in America for the Constitution. So this book, and that's why I highlighted on the about page of the website, for people who like to look at these books, this is a book that was mailed by Hamilton's wife, Eliza, to her sister in Paris to say that, hey, this is what my husband's been working on, the (coughs) Federalist papers. And Mrs. Church, who is Hamilton's sister-in-law, gives her copy to Thomas Jefferson because his book was found in the collection and Thomas Jefferson, who was a book collector, sold many of his books after the Washing after the White House and, and what else was burned down in 1812? I think the Capitol suffered a lot of damage because of the British burn Washington D.C. or parts of Washington D.C. So Jefferson wound up selling his book collection, uh, which in some respects was even more detailed and more voluminous than the Congressional Library anyway. So that's how this book came into the possession of the Library of Congress. So my, my point is that this is the sort of thing that you can see on these websites when you get into these old antiquarian materials. This is Alexander Hamilton writes the book, The Federalist Papers, or here it's called The Federalist. And if you look at the bottom of the page, you'll see the date, right? If, if you can read Roman numerals, or maybe it's the next page. If you click the arrow on the right, you can flip through it.
1: Yeah, I can yeah, see. Roman I can numerals. see that.
0: Uh, so seven. Wait a so Thomas Jefferson sold his, his library to the Library of Congress. Say that again. He sold that's his library to okay. the federal government.
3: Jefferson was having financial issues, and so 1788. the.
0: 1788. No, no, no. So Keep if, going. If you can M D
2: C C. M is a thousand. D is five hundred. C C is one hundred. One hundred. So this is seventeen hundred. The L is fifty. The XXX is 80, 1788. This is a 1788 copy of the Federalist Papers before the Constitution is ratified. And this is the version of the book that was sent by Hamilton's wife, Eliza, Eliza Hamilton, to her sister, which was Mrs. Church. And this book was then given
3: by Mrs. Church, which is Angelica, to Thomas Jefferson because they were both in Paris at the same time. So this is the kind of stuff for people who really love to get into the weeds and love to read. This is a book
2: that would have been handled
3: by Hamilton's wife for we know Hamilton.
2: Actually... okay so
1: let me, this... let me let me pose something to you yes. why wouldn't we as americans want this taught to our children in like the third grade fourth grade
0: well, i mean why not you got to come and see it here yeah i agree
1: i mean why? i mean this is what drives me batty if there's people that are someone like yourself who's just in the private sector you're an attorney and you're interested um tell our audience how you uh, where was this interest peaked uh you Early in your early formative years, or later on, or in law school, or how is it that people can uh, grow up to be like you? Let we have a young audience listening to us. What is it that that got you to do this in this this stage of your life? Because obviously you've been doing it for a lot longer than you've been on Blink Radio. What is it that we can do from a educational platform to get people involved earlier? Or do we just say the hell with it and just go to statutesandstories.com for the rest of their lives? Start off at, you know, in the third grade and start going to your site.
3: Well, I think you've asked several questions. They're all good questions. And over the hour, we'll tease out answers. And in the months to come, we'll
2: tease out more mm-hmm. answers. So I'll give you two quick answers right off the bat. The first answer is as a lawyer, uh, before I went to law school, I very interested in history because I majored in history and political science in college so I was always interested in history and my grandfather to say, historian from NYU and a lot of folks in my family as you may know are big history fans so we talk about history at the table yeah. we also talk about politics but, uh, but I've always had some interest in history but getting back to Hamilton for a moment one of the things that this musical has done is it's reintroduced a love and a passion for that early time period the founding fathers and their mothers and the generation of what they accomplished with this experiment of democracy that We're still working on and improving, and sometimes you take one step forward, one step back. But uh, that musical has, as I keep saying, reinvigorated and introduced new generations of kids and kids from all over the country, from all different backgrounds, from all different persuasions, and all different viewpoints to appreciate American history. And that's one of the goals of the website, which is totally free. It's for teachers, and teachers now use it. It's uh, law professors use it to a certain extent. It's used by uh, you know people who that want to just read a little bit of background before they see the musical, or people who are interested in specific topics. So that's what we're going to do tonight, is we're going to walk through this website, which is used as a tool for people who, sure, it's good to read history, and there's a lot that's online, but this really focuses on these primary sources, which I happen to be a collector of a lot of these primary sources. So the About section of the website, which we'll wrap up quickly on this portion of the website, just gives a real quick overview of some of the things that you see when you look at these old books. For example, foxing. When you look at some of these old books the pages have um, red um, discoloration but that doesn't mean that the book is in bad quality it's just naturally because of the minerals in the old paper you have a little bit of discoloration in some of these old antique books and there's also issues about uh, the, these, these books aren't bound with cardboard they're usually bound with leather a cap leather binding so um, just things that eventually you get to appreciate when you flip through some of these old books and uh, that's the menu which uh,
3: we're going to go back now to the menu so was the event.
0: So well no before you go back i wanted to add a personal note Yes. on the uh, cover the printer was at 41 hanover square and during my 26 years practicing law in new york i worked down uh, near hanover square for about eight or nine years that's still there and, and you're making my point which is when people get an
2: appreciation for some of these old books and over time with the internet Uh, books become i would argue more relevant but a lot of people think that what do you need books for because everything is available online and that's true and people should use the resources online but um, you know for some of these old books that have actually been held by founding fathers and mothers and for some of these old uh, antiquarian records uh, it's it's a whole new level of history when you can touch it and feel it it's tangible so i agree that and if you, if you were to hit on the arrow to the right hand side you can flip through the book and there are often inscriptions in these books not on just the first page but also notes And uh, we're going to get to Washington's copy of the Constitution. If we have time tonight, we'll talk about Washington's personal copy of the Acts of the First Congress on the Constitution. And we have Washington's handwritten notations. And that is fascinating to hold and to look at a book. And, by the way, that book, which we'll talk about later, is now at Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon purchased it for $10 million. So I don't have that book. I wish I did. But uh, that's the kind of thing that when you go to some of these old resources,
0: Adam I have a question from one of our audience members. She says, "Do you lament the demise of the card catalog which often had very useful uh, notes?"
1: The card catalog is in the library.
0: Yeah, in the big library because at at Chicago there was a big library with a big card catalog and then they got rid of it. Cuz they, they said you can look it up on the computer. Right.
3: of a of little small, what
0: size, maybe a... Yeah, like cue cards, but even smaller.
3: Right, two by four or
0: smaller yeah. little
2: in, index cards. Right,
0: yeah. index cards, and then people would write notes on them, which were often very useful.
2: efficient to use the online tools. The problem is a lot of people don't know how to do it. Mm. So it takes a little bit more work to figure out how to do the online research in the library. But once you know how to do it, there's so much more at your fingertips. And I'm going to point out to you tonight as we go through the hour that uh, 100 years ago, in order for a historian to write the kind of work that I do, where I'm looking at um, you know, multiple sources, you would have had to travel from New York to Philadelphia to London. You'd have to travel all around the country in order to get into these sources. But today, this is the beauty of the internet a lot of the materials that we're gonna go through tonight because one of the other tabs is gonna be the references. Where I describe all, and that's trying to use the website as a tool for people to get their fingers wet in history and use primary sources. So we index them and we catalog them and we make them easy for people to use. It's one stop shopping. That's the purpose of the website for people who want to use these old materials. So the point is that, yes, we no longer have card catalogs in the vast majority of libraries. And yes, you have to learn how to do the Internet research. But I'm going to show you tonight
3: it is not that difficult. And it's amazing how much you can cover just sitting in front of a computer
1: okay so now yes. the, let's go to the people versus Levy weeks because I've opened up the Levi. blog Levi okay. so I don't want to go through the
2: and thank you for mentioning so you're right at the very top of the blog and didn't describe what the blog does the blog is just a chronological listing so you can see what's the date under the people versus
3: Levi weeks
1: it you says it's well your date is September the uh, third 2019
3: correct so what the blog does is it just lists the data whenever
2: I post something. So the last time I posted or updated a, a blog post or a, a little story or whatever you want to call it, a little article, that was the second part of the story of Levi Weeks. Uh, so scroll down behind below that. What was uh, the – and I've been very busy with other things. so I haven't been posting as much as I would like. What was the post before that? Before Levi Weeks
3: Part 2, what was the post?
1: Uh, before Part 2 was, geez, uh, I have here National Aeronautics Space Act establishing NASA. No, that was July the 20th. Um, before that, I I couldn't tell you. Uh, I see August 17th, the people of levy weeks, aftermath, part three.
2: Exactly. So whenever someone wants to see what's the latest thing that I posted or the latest addition to the statutes and stories... It'll be first on the
1: blog. You go to the blog. So all the blog does... It's not
2: organized in any way other than the most recent thing is at the top of the block. And if you scroll all the way down to the very bottom of the blog, you'd see the very first thing we we posted when the when the website was first created. So the purpose of the blog is if you just want to see what's the newest, the latest and greatest, you go to the block.
1: Okay. so now you got index after that..
2: All right, so let's go from the blog back at the top. the index, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the index, and feel free to jump in with questions. So in my opinion, when I describe the website to people, the index is the easiest place if you really want to decide what you want to look at, if you have a half an hour when you're sitting in the library, or if you want to do research with your child to do homework, uh, for maybe a homework project about the American Revolution, the index is, is the easiest place to use the website, and the index is organized by date, and it starts with Acts of Parliament. So right next to Acts of Parliament at the title,
0: it mentions that these are the acts which are referred to as the coercive acts, and what were they also called, guys? Navigation
1: acts, mercantilism?
0: Yeah, mercantilism and the navigation acts. So if you see in the parentheses, uh, I say that these are the acts that lead to
2: the coercive and intolerable acts. We're going to talk later about the course of an intolerable act. So, so, here, the, the first post that we have is from 1651, and this is about the theory, the economic theory of mercantilism. And let me ask Ed, what is uh, mercantilism, real
0: quickly? That means that each country should hoard up as much gold as it can and not engage in free trade.
2: The mercantilism is not about free trade. And if you went to that particular post, you'd see pictures of. Cromwell and Charles II. So, this tells the economic backdrop behind the economic system because economics plays a very important role in history. It's not the most important, in my opinion, but economics is an important thing to understand. So, we start with the economics in the 16 and 1700s, and then what's after the, the post-event mercantilism? What's an important act? That,
1: Current, after, the Currency Act? There
2: you go, the 1764 Currency Act, which said that England does not want the currency in the, the colonies. Publishing or printing their own currency. So that started a little bit of colonial resistance that the colonies are now not able to do their own currency. It makes it more difficult for them to borrow, makes it more difficult for them not to pay for their expenses. And that begins to show a little bit of uh, the cracks on the loyalty to England. That same year, as the Currency Act was another act. What's the, the next act after the Currency Act?
0: Stamp sure. Sugar Act. Oh, Sugar Act. The
2: Sugar
1: Act. I
0: jumped to the Stamp Act. No, no, nope. but, you know, but, um, adam i think one point that you ought to make here 1651 uh is a good start It's right in the middle of when america was being first settled but 60, 1764 is a year after uh the end of the seven years war the french and indian war which is a, a world war the first world war fought between england and its allies and france and its allies where england came out of a, a big winner they took over canada and other uh, other other colonies, and so after that, England was looking for ways to raise money to defend its new North American colonies, and that's where you start getting a lot of these Currency Act and Sta- uh, Sugar Act and stuff like that.
2: You're 100% correct. So the story is that the British needed to pay
0: back their own expenses of that World War, which yep. sure, was the first World War was fought in the colonies, and uh, Britain's need to raise
1: money leads to them passing... Exactly right. The Sugar Act and then 1765, Manny.
2: You mentioned it. What, 1765? What very important act passed by Parliament was adopted in 1765, which began the seeds, became the seeds of the American Revolution? What was that act
0: in 1765?
1: It's either the Stamp Act or the Quartering Act. It's right there. It's right there. Or the Quartering Act. I see them both here. I see the Stamp Act and the Quartering Act of 1770
3: uh, 65. So these are very
2: problematic laws it's interesting how the Quartering Act was passed the same year as the Stamp Act,
3: and later Britain would pass even more Quartering Acts. But click on the Stamp Act of
2: 1765. And what we try to do, especially with the newer posts, to make it easy for kids, because kids like to see pictures. It's not just reading. You want to see pictures. So uh, who was the king in 1765? We've got a picture of him at the top right.
0: Uh-oh, uh, George III of Hanover.
2: So King George III keep scrolling down and you can see the actual stamps of the Stamp Act, right? And then if you scroll to the bottom, you can see the the Stamp Act published in a book which is in the collection, and this was uh, one of the law books from the year 1765. So people who are researching the Stamp Act and want, uh, you know, to, to learn more about it, We have it on sanctionsandstories.com, so we won't spend too much time going through each of the different uh, laws and different acts of Parliament. But you can see, let's skip ahead to 1773, what was the Act of Parliament in 1773 that leads to a particular party that happens in Boston.
1: Well, Boston Tea Party, John Adams, Tea Act. (laughs) So
2: click on 1773, the Tea Act, and, and what we're doing to the listeners, if you're not in front of a computer, is we're just going through the index, which is arranged chronologically on all these different posts. So 1773 is the Tea Act, and we talked about this uh, several months ago on one of the radio shows. And here we have pictures of where the tea used to have to go to England to be auctioned. And the Tea Act said, no, the tea will no longer have to go to England. It can go straight to America which actually made the tea a little bit cheaper. And here we tell the story of the Boston Tea Party and the Tea Act of 1773, which is then followed by the Tea Party in the 1774 time frame. So these were laws that I describe as leading to the coercive acts and the intolerable acts. So now we have another title, and we refer to this now as the acts that led to the Revolutionary War. And what was the law that was passed? And there were really five of them that follow after the colonials do the tea in Boston Harbor. They dump the tea. Uh, Parliament decides to retaliate, and they want to send the message to the colonies, don't do what Boston just did. Don't try to protest and uh, and harm the mother country. So what were some of the laws that were adopted in the 17... It's not in that time frame, but in the actual year, 1774, just mentioned some of the names of the... referred to as the Coercive Acts... That's what the British called them, because they were trying to coerce the colonies. And the colonials, the Americans, referred to them as the Intolerable Acts. So just mention what are some of the names
3: that are listed from 1774.
0: Well, Boston Port Act, I think that shut down the Boston Port. Correct. Keep going. Qu- quartering Act, that means that it uh, required American citizens to quarter British soldiers in their houses, which was later complained about in the Declaration of Independence. And I think there's something in the Bill of Rights against that.
2: freedom of religion second amendment i don't have
0: to tell anyone on this radio station. yeah i got my yeah. nra cap on so so the third amendment is the quartering act yep. and, and prohibits the quartering of troops in your homes
2: and that's a reaction to the british quartering act of 1774
3: and back then you have to pay to feed and house that soldier who's staying in your house
1: Plus, well, uh, it's very hard to organize revolution with a soldier yeah, sitting, a soldier in, your sitting your in your
0: living room yeah <laughs>
1: makes it very difficult to uh, ferment a revolution against these people that are living in your home. Okay, so now are we ready to go to references? To, uh, well, the
0: other one, I, there's another to references. other one I think is important here is the Administration of Justice Act, whereby American uh, colonists' subjects could be tried in military tribunals in, uh, in Canada. They were taken up to Halifax, for example. And let's talk
3: about that
2: quickly since you mentioned it. So that's another of the intolerable passed in 1774 in the Administration of Justice Act, and is exactly right, said that if you're a British soldier and if you fire on an American and kill an American, the British soldier will not be tried in Boston, where John Adams will represent them and get them off, because that's the Boston Massacre from a couple of years earlier. Uh, the American colonials did not want to um, It gets into the question of what is the loyalty when a British
1: Adam, do you have like, uh, and it's pretty obvious that this should be a gem for homeschoolers.
2: And listeners of the radio show will recognize a lot of these titles. So the Suffolk's Resolves in 1774, or Suffolk, uh, how do you pronounce it? does he have spent time in the Northeast.
0: Suffolk? Yeah, so I, I call up Suffolk, if you're, if you're from that.
1: Uh, be careful with that word, because Ed's, Ed's been having a foul mouth today. Suffolk, Suffolk. He's
0: been dropping some you know foul language in the previous Suffolk. show. Suffolk County is the county where Boston's based.
3: We won't go into too much detail about the subject Resolves,
2: but people, if they want to read about it, and we've talked about it on prior evenings, uh, but this is the folks in Boston who are giving their support for the Declaration of Independence, and they're saying what we want to do in order to make sure the colonies stand together and to uh, resist the British. So that was demonstrating the resolve and similar resolves or declarations, if you will, were being adopted all around the country to support Boston. So keep going down the page. Uh, we won't do all of them
1: well yeah, we, when are we going to references that's another that's another part of the, the website
2: well we will we'll definitely get to references but just a few more minutes on the index so let's go to the next major section which is we, we talked about the constitutional convention and one of these nights we should we've already done executive privilege uh, one of these nights we should talk about the emoluments clauses because you'll see that we do a lot of two posts on the emoluments clauses but keep scrolling down to acts of congress let's spend a few minutes on this have you scrolled down to acts of congress yes we have All right. So below Acts of Congress, if you'll notice, it's in bold. It's an Index of Major Acts of Congress. So if you click on the bold Index of Major Acts of Congress, I have a listing for you of all of the major laws from the first, second, third, all the way through. Uh, So these are, in my opinion, all of the major laws that were passed by Congress for the first 100 years. And Congress meets two years at a time. So this is the first 50 Congresses that went all the way from 1789 to 1889. So
3: these are very important acts of Congress, and if I'm missing any and you want me to add some, let me know. So that's the quick
2: answer. Well,
1: I'd like, I like, like to know something I, I'd be learning for the first time, the Residence Act. What did that have to do with, uh, I mean, it's called the Hamilton's Grand Compromise. I'll let the audience know a little bit about that. I would like to.
3: Okay. All right. So let's, let's build up to it.
2: So and this is a trivia question i like to ask people. What is the first law passed by the first Congress? So it's the first one listed 1789. What was the first act?
1: With an o. What the oath act? The oath. So
2: the first act passed by the first Congress of Madison as the head of the House. Washington is the president the first act. and I like to mention to people you know Congress had a lot on their plate in that first Congress. They had to create the Treasury Department, they had to create the military, they had all kinds of obligate, create the courts. right The first act that they passed was the Oath Act, so we won't go into too much detail, but you can read all about it. So keep going down the list. the Naturalization Act, which is the first naturalization law, then the Copyright Act, which was the first federal copyright law, then the Crimes Act. This creates the federal crimes. That was the first criminal law by the federal government all in 1790. And now we get to the Residence Act. And I have in parentheses next to it Hamilton's Grand Compromise. And if you click on the Residence Act, you'll see pictures of what the original Capitol used to look like. And here's the question So, what was the first Capitol Congress met for the first time under the new federal government in what city? And it didn't last for very long. Yeah, New York. New York. In New York. So if you want to see what New York looked like in 1789, that go to the Residence Act because we have some pictures from the Library of Congress of, of downtown Manhattan in 1789. And this gets to Hamilton had a heavy lift. He had to convince the Southern states, and we've talked about this in other nights. The Southern states had made big progress in paying off a lot of of their Revolutionary War debt. And as we know, the Revolutionary Revolutionary War was fought from 1776 until 1783, which was the Treaty of Paris. So the Southern states, and this is mentioned in the Hamilton musical, it was a lot easier for the Southern states to pay off their debt because they had employees who might refer to them as employees, but these were slaves who don't get paid, right? So it was a lot easier for Virginia to pay off its war debts, whereas the northern states had not paid off their war debts. So now the federal government, and this is part of Hamilton's financial plan, the federal government is going to assume... State debt, which means we're going to take all the Revolutionary War debt from all the different states, we're going to take the federal debt, we're going to bundle it together, and we're going to create a system of uniform federal taxation, and we're going to get the financial house in order. And this is mentioned, as I said, in the Hamilton musical, where Hamilton is sort of taking pot shots at Jefferson
3: uh, during these cabinet battles.
1: So do, we, direct- do we have any knowledge, I'm just interrupting, because it just came to my head and I don't want to forget, do we have any knowledge of how much of this debt... Was owed to France and to Spain. I'd like to see if the Fr- if the Spanish debt was more than we think it was.
0: It was so it was, so Hamilton
1: writes the creditors.
0: And thank you for asking that question. So let me come back to that question in a second.
2: So Hamilton has to convince the Southern states to come along with his financial plan, and the Southern states oppose a lot of his financial plan. So what do you do in politics when you've got different sides and they disagree? And you have to, you know, for democracy to work, many would argue, and I would agree, you need to. and Some people say it's. it's it's so a bad word, and they don't like to do it. It's painful. But to get things through, to get legislation through Congress, ultimately, what do you have to do?
3: And uh, it's a C word. What is the C word
0: that I'm talking he about? Compromised. He compromised. He agreed to put the new national capital in the south between Maryland and Virginia. That's
1: right. So the new capital which became the Mason-Dixon line.
0: No. That's so Washington, years, D.C. The capital moved to Philadelphia, which was the largest. Uh, was
2: the largest city for a time. The capital temporarily gets relocated to Philadelphia. And Pennsylvania hoped
1: that it would stay in Philadelphia. And during that 10-year period, they start building up Washington, D.C. Which is now the Mason-Dixon line. No,
0: no, no that's that, different.
1: That, yeah, it's, Mar- that, it's between Maryland and Virginia. It's the Mason-Dixon line. What are you arguing that? That's a fact. The Mason-Dixon line is between Maryland and Virginia. It's a separation between the North and the South for the oncoming well, Civil Maryland War. Maryland
0: was a slave state.
1: And Virginia...
0: It was also a slave state.
1: And guess, guess who Maryland fought for?
0: Uh, the Union. They didn't. They didn't secede, but.
1: Let's see. Uh, question me on it. The Mason-Dixon line. Come on, man. Go
0: well, look it up.
1: I'm letting you look it up. And while meanwhile, Adam, keep on going. All right. So well,
3: I'm on the Residence Act as Manny asked a question about it.
2: And the formal name of the law was an act establishing the temporary and permanent seat of government of the United States. So people generally refer to it as the Residence Act because this is the residence for a new capital. Uh, but you'll notice that I give some of the dollar amounts. that The federal debt exceeded $54 million, and the states owed an additional $25 million And you asked how much was owed to France as opposed to Spain. So further down, you can click on another... Discussion where we get into more detail about Hamilton's report on the credit. So, Hamilton was asked by Congress, his first job as Secretary of Treasury, is to report on the debt and to come up with a proposal. And I give you more links so you can actually read Hamilton's report on the public credit, which gives the number. And you know, what, let's do that. So,
1: okay, let's do that. Where do I click on that?
2: Okay, so we're going to go a little bit
1: far afield. In the Funding Act?
3: Here, Hamilton's picture.
1: Do you see that? Wait a second, wait a second. I'm, I'm, I'm almost nervous now. We on the that. Residence
3: Act, you see Hamilton's picture
2: on the right, and it says next to Hamilton for a discussion of Hamilton's report on the public credit. Click on that.
1: Okay. On the state post, uh, here, Alexander's first report on the Republic of Credit. Here we go. So
3: here we're clicking into another one of my posts sections of
2: stories, and this is a report that Hamilton wrote to Congress on the public credit, which is what was referred to as the public debt. They called it the public credit. So here we're writing about Hamilton's report. At the very bottom, you'll see, click here for a link to Hamilton's report on the public credit. If you scroll down,
3: you'll
2: see a picture of the actual report, and then it has a link if you want to read the text. It says, click here for a link to Hamilton's report on the public credit.
1: There, I think I blew by that. Where did I go? I see the picture uh click a, here for a click here for hamilton's report on public credit
2: this is beautiful this is the kind of functionality that we built into the website you can actually read and click page by page the report that hamilton as a secretary of treasury this is page 2042 and uh and it goes on it's a very detailed report and this is the document that he submitted and he didn't have much of a staff back then it's basically him and just a few others and let me read you a paragraph i'm skipping to maybe the fourth paragraph down in the opinion of the secretary this is hamilton is this is his, it's giving his opinion because he's the secretary in the opinion of the secretary the wisdom of the house and giving their explicit sanction to the proposition which has been stated cannot but be applauded by all who will seriously consider and trace through their obvious consequences these plain and undeniable truths so then he begins to list the things that we have to do for his financial plan so this is Hamilton's financial plan, and it's very detailed and it goes on and on. Uh, So this is something people can do at their leisure. But this is just an example of how you can go down these, um, you know, go off on these, uh, whatever gets someone's fancy. Uh, So it's not just one page. All kinds of links are embedded in the website. So go back, get out of the but Act and get out of the report on the public credit. Let's
1: go back to well, We never got to the number. Was Did France or Spain be or were they owed more money? Who was Probably owed the
0: that? Netherlands.
1: No, I just want to know what the number is and I guess if we have to go through too much research for absence of time, I guess we can't do it. So nobody here knows and the only one who wants it to be Spain. The next meeting. But he does give a breakdown. Uh, in fact, it's on
2: page 2055. He breaks down the foreign debt amounts. He breaks it down. Among, if you go back, it's page 2055 of the report on the public credit. And he says foreign debt was $10 million, And this is very exhaustive. He breaks down arrears of interest was $1.6 million, And then he goes through domestic. And then he goes through other kinds of debt. So if you really
0: wanted to read through the weeds.
1: No, I guess we could do that as a suspense item for the next show. <laughs>
0: for the next show all right. Well, maybe you can report back.
1: Because, you know, Vidal throws in there that the Netherlands was m- old more than anyone.
0: I Well, I bet, yes. It could be England, it, too. It could
1: be the Austrians who came down England,
0: here. too. They probably bought. No,
1: it, really, you think they would buy war bonds? Uh, yes. Hedging, hedging their bets that we would win, that the colonists would win? Look at me saying we. How about that? Yeah. Okay. What I'm going
2: to tell everybody to do is use the top left arrow to go back. So let's return
3: to the index.
1: Okay, here we go. We're going to the index now. Here we go. Okay, now we go to catalog or references?
3: Okay, so still in the index. I just mentioned some of the other topics. So there was a lot of posts.
1: Wait a minute. We're down to five minutes. We need to go We need to go to references now.
2: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, we'll have to do this another night. So let's go. I didn't realize the time. We're going to references. So what is references? The reference tab at the very top, the reference tab, is the links to other websites that I've accumulated uh, and extensions
3: team, if you will, has assembled uh, from the years that we've worked using these
1: materials online. Did you have a team? I mean, uh, were you? Were there other people involved in this? Because this is really, a, a, this is a, a, is a, a this is looks for the,
3: the growing team at
1: Statutes and Stories. Wow. So, because it's so really, it's doing? really impressive. For those of you who haven't gone to Statues and Stories yet, and you love history and you love this show, you got to go to this site. This site is just overwhelming. It's just amazing. You could. It would take you a whole year to consume all this. Awesome. And for people to play around with, you know, whatever
3: it catches your fancy. So the references tab.
1: Because you go all the way to the 1945, there's references here for at the State Department uh, for the Fort Relations series in 1945 to 1988. So this goes into the future as well. It's not just... Uh, in a revolutionary times and colonial times, my God, this is really amazing. And site.
3: Really, for students and people who want to do their
2: own independent research, but I'm assembling all together in one place what I consider to be the best online sites where you can do your history research. So, we start with statutes. If you want to look at the acts of the different congresses, then you look under statutes. And if you want to go to treaties, if you want to read treaties with Netherlands or with other countries, with Spain, then they're listed under these treaties of foreign affairs. The next section is general primary sources. If you want to read Washington's papers or Adam's papers or Jefferson's papers, Madison's papers, etc., and his wife, Dolly Madison, they're fascinating letters that she sends. Franklin's papers, so these are listed under primary sources of the founding fathers and mothers. Keep scrolling down. Uh, now I have primary sources for the Constitutional Convention. If you want to read Madison's actual notes on the Constitutional Convention, if you want to read, it wasn't just Madison who took notes, also Rufus King took some notes. If you want to read, Edmund Randolph came up with the Virginia plan, working with Madison. If you want to read the New Jersey plan, and kids learn this in school, but if you actually want to see the actual New Jersey plan and the Virginia plan, here we have it. And Hamilton had his own plan, so you can read Hamilton's plan. And Charles Pickney from South Carolina, he had his own plan, he had another plan. So if you want to read about the Constitutional Convention and their actual handwritten notes, that's under the section primary sources and Constitutional Convention. Keep going down. Then we have other primary sources, which we won't go into detail, but all kinds of websites, which I have found to be very worthwhile and, use, and usable. Then and the debates, if you want to get into the annals of Congress, that's what they call the ANNALS, the annals of Congress, which are the debates.
3: You can go here and read about the actual debates on the floor of the House and the Senate.
1: Well, what's beautiful about these notes is the eloquence of the writing style, and that would also be uh informative because we we don't write the way these people did. This these people sometimes wrote in first person and third person in the same paragraph. And it's it's really impressive the way it would flow. It was a real a time of real manners and and eloquence. There's nothing else to be said. There you go. And the spelling's a little bit different before Webster
2: had come up with his dictionary. So I encourage people, if you really want to do independent historical research, these are the tools, and one in particular that I'm going to focus on. Go to Primary Sources towards the top, and the website is called foundersarchive.com, which is put together by the National Archives in Washington. It's called Founding, Founders.
1: At the very top? uh, It's
2: called founders.archives.gov, and it's the first link that I have under Primary Sources of the Founding Fathers and Mothers. And you don't have to click on it now, but I'm telling people that if you go to that particular website from the National Archives, and I describe it as correspondence between founding fathers and mothers, what they have done is they've put thousands of letters of of Washington and the folks that we've been talking about, and you can do keyword searches in their individual correspondence. So, for example, if you wanted to know what Washington wrote uh, and you wanted to search the name, or for example, if you have family members, if you want to see, was uh, Washington writing to, you know, because from time to time we speak at different events, the Daughters of the American Revolution, or we speak at the other conventions. So if, you know, if you're curious, what did Washington have to say about um, the right to bear arms? Or what did uh, Franklin have to say about the uh, scientific question? You can do these keyword searches. So that's the Founders Archive website, which we have a link to. All right, so we're almost done with the index. Uh, we won't spend too much time on it. So, you know, we're almost out of time. But let's go now to the catalog real quick so we can just cover the catalog. So the catalog is for book collectors and people who want to track down these old books. So click on the
1: catalog. Here we go. A system of laws for the state of Connecticut. Uh, the, the system of laws for uh, Virginia Justice or the new Virginia Justice. And uh, this is
2: mainly for lawyers or people who want to read old law books. But the first American legal treatise to treat treatise is a book about law written by a very important judge, so that's a very important law book in the history of American law by Zephaniah Swift from 1795. Uh, Virginia was the biggest state when the Constitution was written. By far, Virginia had more population, it was, it was a very wealthy state, so the laws of Virginia, which Thomas Jefferson was very important as the governor of, of uh, Virginia, so the laws of Virginia are very important to understand colonial and early American history. So the, the first time that the Virginia laws were all written together is, we have it here Link to the laws of the state of, of, of Virginia by William Waller Henning. Uh, so keep scrolling down, uh, the first laws of evidence. and. The first laws from Massachusetts, which partially were written by the Adams family. So these are a very important law books.
1: Not from the black and white uh, comedy, right? No. Um, right. So <laughs> this
2: is uh, the Sam Adams and John Adams.
1: Okay, okay, those guys.
2: Yep, those guys. So, long story short one so i want you to look at here is scroll down to the first compilations of the laws of the united states and one of these nights maybe we'll spend more time on the acts of the first congress but scroll down to where it says first compilations of laws of the united states and you see where it's uh, 1789 george washington's personal copy yes i do i click on george washington's personal copy which i, I wish i had access to this but it's in Mount Vernon, and to their credit, they put it online. So here I've got some articles you can read about this book, which Mount Vernon purchased for about $10 million, and this is Washington's personal copy that they reacquired. And if you click on some of the links, you can actually, they digitized the whole book. You scroll go all the way to the bottom. You can read Washington's copy with his notations. You can read Adam's copy. You can read Jefferson's copy. So a lot of these books that were owned by the founding fathers have all been digitized, and I've got links to them so people can really
3: find Put, you know,
1: make uh, now these links them. are uh, are the ones that are in different fonts, or uh, because I don't see exactly, so the audience knows where the links are. Down it's at the bottom. Scroll down to the bottom in all
3: bold. Whenever it's in bold, it's
1: a link. Okay, so it's all bold. I got, but I here have acts passed by first Congress. I have civil rights acts, federal civil rights acts. I don't see the it's bold. Everywhere.
2: It's under the first compilations of laws of the United States under the catalog,
3: and in 1789, the title is George Washington's personal copy of the Constitution.
1: Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that page, but for, okay. So you got George Washington's constitutional fetches the record nine billion, million. That's that's from Reuters, so that's just uh. That's right
3: below that it says George
1: Washington. Copy of that. Okay, his, that right below that. Okay, all right. So now this just opens in, into another site. Wow, and that just opens yeah, up this President whole. President.
0: Herbert Hoover has a library that is run by the National Administration of Records and Archives. I I
1: don't appreciate you talking about Hoover in the same sentence as George Washington. No,
0: no, but I'm just telling you, all all the presidents back to Hoover have this already in the the National Archives. So it's all there.
1: You know, just kill the momentum. No, we're in the we're in the colonial times. Well, yeah, but us... I'm
0: I'm sure that there's work to be done in between the, uh, putting it in.
1: Can you believe that, Adam? I was on. Uh, what were we talking about, you and I? I'm going to turn off his microphone. Okay, could you explain what you were saying? You know, after Ed took us off, you know, momentum here. Ed has
3: a point, which is over time you get
2: presidential libraries. Yep, but earlier on they didn't have presidential libraries some presidents are more deserving of libraries than
1: others, but be that as it may. And Hoover's not one of them deserves a library.
0: Well, that's okay. He's, she, okay. he's got a big place in Stanford, so.
1: He's got a well, dam. That's all. he's Congresses would work is they would publish all their laws in a book,
2: and that book would then be sent out to the governors of all the states, and each of the members of Congress would get a copy. You know, this was their handiwork. This is what they did during that act of Congress, during that session of Congress, and that's how the law gets disseminated. So these are these books, many of them. Uh, that, uh, that give us the early American laws, and we've got them on com under the catalog. And over time, as we come across more books, we'll put them more online uh, so people can use them. So, again, this is all about the making That's history accessible and making history fun and enjoyable, and there's, so there's a lot more we can cover on other
3: nights, but I know we're coming close to uh, the end of the evening.
1: Yes, it was, yeah, the site is very impressive. I'm so happy that uh, you Looks obligated great. us to go through it, and I'm I'm sorry for the, you know, the casual interruptions. Uh, well, I Ed, wonder
0: if they go through President Lincoln. Do you know? There must be a library for him.
1: You know...
2: I want to take a material on the website, and that, that's a fascinating period
1: in American history. Yep. So, let's, so let's go back to Lincoln one night. Okay. I, the notes I wanted to go through with you tonight about uh, Labor Day and
3: the early federal government, but that will be continued another night.
0: okay
1: And I'm really sorry about the, f- uh, you know, 59... Uh, 14 score from yesterday. I mean, sorry. For the audience to know, uh, Adam and I uh, suffered through the Dolphins' loss.
0: What? It, was a historic...
1: it was a historic loss that it should also be on Statues and Stories as a monumental moment in Dolphin history. <laughs> Everybody have a great night,
0: and I do appreciate it. Thank you. Good
1: night. Take, take care, Adam. Thanks. That's the end of our show here at Statues and Stories. Please log on if well. you want to know about this country. Uh, Adam has just well, knocked it out of the park with his website, statues and Ma- stories.
0: my point is that we know more about, we have more digitalized evidence about uh, George Washington than we're going to have about Barack Obama, because he doesn't have any of this stuff in, uh, in the National Archives.
1: Because he has no library, and that's a perfect statement for the day. <laughs> Stay free, my friends. We'll have to be back in the moment some other time, because Ed is just on a roll because he's been gone for too long. And he, he's obsessed with Hoover. He's mentioned him Hoover like three, four, five times today. I don't know what else to say. Good night, folks. Stay free, my friends. Small slash back blazers and ate all your razors while pulling the waders talking about Monroe and walking on Snow White New York's a go-go and everything tastes nice. poor little greenie